Hello and welcome to the Avocado Proust podcast, a weekly podcast about tech, culture, health and everything in between. We'll share things that caught our eye this week and then go a bit deeper on our topic of the week. Hi Jeez. Hi Looms. How's it going? Yeah, good. Other than the fact that it's raining today. It, ha- it is. It has been raining for a little while now, hasn't it? For like a couple of days. Yeah, but the bank holiday weekend's over and it's raining. I feel like just, you know, bit, it's a bit gloomy, I have to say. Do you think it feels like the country is cleansing itself of what it just went through this weekend of celebrating an institution that has caused so much harm? It's just like <laughs> the rain that follows the bank holiday now is like a, the great flushing of like the great cleanse. I like that metaphor. What happens after the cleanse? The sun comes back out and we just move on, you know, like when mom and dad get wine drunk at dinner. <laughs> say things they don't mean and then the next day that everyone wakes up and everyone everything's fine. happy family again <laughs> right i've seen that tv show a million times that's what <laughs> normally happens in suburban households that went way off track yeah <laughs> i wasn't really sure where we were going with that but i don't think you ever are. are i don't think you ever are when it comes to my analogies but i still stand by them but anyway what's our topic of the week is love really blind? Ooh, I'm excited to talk about that one. I, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We won't get into it yet, though. No, we won't. Because. because. <laughs> <laughs> we have some cool highlights, don't we? We do indeed. Why, do you, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so I was reading the Verge website, mm-hmm. and they talked about how doctors have been able to successfully transplant a 3D printed ear made from human cells to the donor of said cells. And so there's a woman who was born with a rare ear deformity called microtia and a company called 3D Biotherapeutics have pioneered a new way of being able to use, specifically for ears, to use the a biopsy of the existing ear and also cartilage cells from that ear. And then they put them all together in a lab, 3D print them into a new ear. And because it's the host's own cells, cartilage cells, they're less likely to be rejected by the host's body. When I say the host, I mean the patient's body. And so it's like this new way of potentially being able to solve this problem that affects thousands of kids every year where they're born with ear deformities for this particular condition. So I thought that was really interesting because the ear apparently will keep regenerating the cartilage Mm. over time. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't see anything mentioned here about what happens if this particular company goes down. So that is always a concern that we have. Yes, although I wonder if it's slightly different to the bionic eye because I suppose this is their own cells, whereas the eye was something that need, was like technical and it was it was basically a hardware product yeah. and it needed kind of maintenance in that sense. Whereas this, if this is basically becomes a part of your body and is like biological matter. I don't. I wonder if there is maintenance needed. That's an interesting. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't a, know. That's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. I also don't know how this this ear transplant 
affects hearing, if at all. I don't, I wouldn't, I suspect it probably doesn't address the hearing issue, but mm. it's more the cosmetic issue of being able to have two ears that look right okay so it's like a not part of you it's sort of the external ear as opposed to yeah any of the internal. internal ear structure so there's that element but what's even more exciting about the technology is the potential that it has so they're starting with the ears because the ears are obviously not life-threatening it's mm. very much you know just the cosmetic element of that but they're have they have plans to do similar things for noses so oh, to yeah. help with like nose transplants and then eventually get to like more life or death parts like livers and more complex organs like that. But that's obviously a very long way away. But it's interesting. This There seems to be a lot of science, or maybe I'm just coming across a lot of science, <laughs> that is merging bio, the biological, biological, the biological human elements with technology as opposed to creating brand new technology to do what the human body already does so well do you mean sort of because yeah we did talk about like brain machine interfaces and stuff like that and mm. obviously the bionic eye and that is technology plus human but i guess this ear is technology just... from human yeah it's sort of not technology in the same way yeah i guess if that makes sense yeah that is interesting yeah it feels less controversial or maybe safer in a way that it's like from biological tissue and doesn't involve any hardware type thing like it feels less risky but I don't know if that's actually true or not yeah and I think it's there's there's also the uh, element of the fact that it's coming from human as opposed to from animals so there was mm. the patient that made the news for getting a heart transplant from a pig. And they, did you hear about this? I don't know if it was, was it recently? Because I think they've been using pig valves for like years and years in heart surgeries. But I don't know, maybe a full transplant is quite a new thing. I haven't heard about it though. Yeah, so that was earlier this year. The American patient received a pig heart from a genetically modified pig and unfortunately he died a few months later turns out that there was some sort of virus uh. on the heart that would would have been preventable if it had been found and it just was really hard to detect the virus itself but it's interesting it's interesting how we're trying to find these solutions and we're looking for ways to keep humanity alive alive yeah. going you know, as uh, what we define as able-bodied in this current society. And it seems to be driving all these scientific advances. I guess the desire to continue living is seems like it's been a thing throughout humanity, right? And ties back to immortality, which we actually haven't <laughs> talked about in a few weeks. <laughs> But we ended up talking about early on in the podcast oh, make, quite a bit. Make no mistake, it is always on my mind, <laughs> even if I'm not talking about it. But yes, I was just going to comment to say, yeah, I think relying on the human body in its current form, it's so, it's such a, it's a really unsustainable way <laughs> to, to live forever. So we're going to keep trying to make these repairs, but we've seen all the vintage classic cars, you know, you see all the old cars on the road. <laughs> 
<laughs> not sure where this metaphor is going either. <laughs> That's basically what we are, right? We just we're just a just a husk of ourselves, and really, really, what matters the most is our minds. Agreed. And so, yes. really, we need to find a way to prolong our ability to continue to live in our minds. <laughs> As well as our physical bodies, (laughs) I would say. Well, or we can have new physical bodies that are like, you know, you can upgrade the model every 50 years or so. Actually, no, maybe not 50. 50 is coming up too close. Maybe like (laughs) every like 80 years, you get a brand new body. You can make it that long. And then you can just like continue to have the same mind. Well, you know, maybe in future... Who knows? One episode on this podcast will be talking about new bodies. I feel like you never let me talk about immortality, and we've <laughs> almost never covered it on this podcast. Uh, so I'll, I'll make I'll be sure to find another more reference, re- more references to it. <laughs> what about you? What have you seen this week? So speaking of the human body, <laughs> I came across a bit of research this week about why concealed ovulation evolved. And essentially, concealed ovulation is the fact that as humans, when we ovulate, it's internal and it's like not clear. Not visible. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas with baboons and other primates, they advertise it. So baboons have the massive like red sexual swellings (laughs) on their bottoms that attract male baboons obviously when they're ovulating to reproduce and we don't do this and essentially the predominant theory for why it's concealed in humans was to do with males so it was basically the idea that um, females conceived ovulation from males in order to get more like male investment and therefore have more reproduce more and have more offspring which this researcher was like doesn't really make sense Mm. because obviously the reason primates have it is to attract males while they're ovulating so kind of sort of for efficiencies (laughs) yeah and it didn't she sort of thought it didn't really make sense as a theory so she set about creating a model uh to figure out you know how males and females behave given different parameters and you know they spent years collecting the right parameters and and trying to make it super accurate and essentially the theory she wanted to prove with this model was that concealed ovulation evolved because of other women basically they were trying to avoid the consequences of like aggression from other women as opposed to anything to do with men (laughs) that's super that's so interesting that's so interesting i first of all i appreciate the fact that the original research piece was done by a male who assumed that it's to do it's of course it's it's to do with men it's because they want (laughs) us they want to make sure that we want them right surely that's the thing and then the (laughs) the second thing that i enjoyed was uh, the red bum (laughs) <laughs> because there's a theory about red lipstick, right? It's like uh, a similar principle, which is why it's like, you know, you should wear red lipstick to be more attractive. Males, yeah, be more like biologically attractive. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> and then my and then that made me think about what would it look like 
does it does it say what 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 it used to look like before concealed ovulation what human ovulation actually looked like no that's a good question actually i think this was more about like why as humans we evolved concealed ovulation but i guess at some point we would have had a common ancestor with baboons or other primates where maybe it wasn't concealed and we've evolved it but no it's not clear to me what that would have been it's it's super interesting to think about what human (laughs) ovulation would look like if it was visible what what would it be (laughs) i'm thinking like your shoulders would get really thick (laughs) (laughs) so random or maybe your elbows would go gelatinous <laughs> during your ovulation you know something to attract attention basically because you have to like peacock right you yeah have to... I mean I think the idea is it should make you more attractive exactly so what? I don't know if jelly elbows <laughs> really fits that we're all into what we're into and right. I will not I did not come here to be judged it could but... be like pheromones <laughs> or something which is maybe like less obvious but it is obviously like something is happening there yeah maybe, maybe that was it but I'm not really sure that's a total guess it'd be interesting to see if because you're you're quite good at tracking your cycles to see if your boyfriend finds you more attractive <laughs> but don't tell him that to be you're clear, I don't currently track that <laughs> <laughs> but I could have you could right <laughs> do it for the podcast it's fine you know for research purposes yeah purely for research i do notice that during certain elements or parts of the cycle i do swipe very differently i make very different that's interesting choices um and around ovulation the choices probably aren't what i would describe as wholesome (laughs) it's just it's (laughs) just the worst of society I, i think becomes quite appealing during a very specific period of time that's interesting so, i wonder I, I suppose that maybe is just like your body being like procreate yeah anyone yeah. will do <laughs> well it's more like the visible signs of like alpha right because uh, you want right, like okay so it's very much that sort of like comical view of what a man is as mm. opposed to he has a good heart it's more like <laughs> look at those shoulders <laughs> <laughs> So if you're approaching a luma <laughs> during your ovulatory period, make sure to do it to your shoulders. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, back to the study. Yes, sorry. So they did obviously lots of tests with this model, very different parameters, and essentially proved the hypothesis. So they proved the hypothesis of the female aggression because it's like the territorial aggression because i see it with pigeons all the time <laughs> when it's during mating season they get really like there's a lot of aggression in the animal kingdom when around mating isn't there like you want to get the best seed for your offspring and so there's a lot of competition yeah for the best eggs for the best seed exactly so i think yeah they essentially found that when females were aggressive to other nearby females, those who concealed ovulation, outperformed the people or the people, I guess, in the model who didn't. And they had more offspring and stuff like that. Whereas I think initially when they tested the original hypothesis about the male kind of investment viewpoint and didn't include any female to female interactions, 
there wasn't really an effect. Both kind of groups had the same amount of offspring. <laughs> what a surprise. So, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. Obviously, I think they did also mention that it's not that males are entirely unimportant. <laughs> They're, they also they found that the difference in reproductive success between these two strategies was driven by differences in male parental investment. <laughs> so what that actually means <laughs> is basically by being aggressive towards other females, there's a cost on the ones who receive the aggression and that makes them like less attractive as mates to men. So then obviously the male will invest less and, you know, they'll be less likely to produce more offspring. So there is a bit of an impact there with obviously female aggression it's like oh maybe I won't go for that one then so th there is an impact but it's not the it's I guess a byproduct of the female to female interaction as opposed just to be related to male attention to females so yeah I thought that was interesting I had never really thought about female ovulation being concealed <laughs> before um but it does obviously it is different to what happens in primates yeah who are closest our closest relatives and That's yeah and it was just like a classic example of like this must be because of men <laughs> it's like no no and then using science to try to prove it and yeah. then a woman had to come along and say well this doesn't really make sense doesn't does seem it right let's let's fix this so glad she managed to prove that yes and yeah anything else you wanted to mention this week well i saw an article this morning that was or yesterday rather that talked about it a new pilot that launched this week or today well we're recording this on a monday so it launched this morning where we have about 70 companies which affects about 3,000 uk workers that are embarking on a trial of a four-day work week very cool and, music to my ears right and the idea behind this is for them to all keep 100 percent of their salary but work 80 percent fewer hours so that's presumably will give you a three-day weekend as opposed to like a random day of the week off. So the idea is yeah. exploring what it, the impact to the business, the impact to the economy, if you were to switch to a four-day work week. Now, obviously, I'm a huge fan of this, <laughs> as I know that you are as well. Yeah. The It will be interesting to see... Well, there's already some really great results, like Iceland, for instance. Yeah, was I was going to say, I feel like other countries have done this with like success basically exactly you had the odd, the odd company here and there across the u.s um in the uk as well have all shown that there's actually a net positive when you reduce the amount of time that people have to work mm -hmm. because then people have to get really efficient with how they use their time and the motivation and the pull of knowing that you have a three-day weekend ahead of you if you get your work done is was you know it's pretty transformational when it comes to kind of giving you that and that that reason to want to just be more productive, be super yeah. productive, be like so much more effective and therefore being more productive. So I thought that was really great. There's similar trials that are underway in Ireland, the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. They're all doing a similar pilot. And I can't remember who's organizing this whole initiative, but mm -hmm. it's one particular, I don't think they're a charity. I think it's like a think tank or something. It was a particular company that's organizing. Oh, cool these trials in all these countries to try to to make it happen 
yeah, I think that's amazing. Like, I guess the reason we work a five-day work week, it goes back to like Victorian times, right? Where your productivity was literally, you know, people working in factories and it was like, well, you can assemble more matchboxes. Yeah. The more time you spend in the factory kind of thing. Whereas now productivity looks very different and it's not at all about how many hours you work necessarily. You can be more productive in less time and having, you know, there's research that's like having time to recharge and think about stuff and then, you know, actually apply that to your work makes a big difference. So, yeah, I think just the way work is, I guess how it's called, like knowledge work today so different and it's not really like the five-day work week nine to five or whatever was not designed for the, the way we work world. yeah so yeah I think this is a really interesting trial and I really hope it uh, comes to fruition yeah same the collection of companies is quite interesting there's there's a there are breweries in there as well that are trying this out so they oh, want to produce the same amount so I think That's they've got cool. a really good mix of like desk you know jobs you can like um mm. was it knowledge workers for instance like office jobs and also factory jobs as well to see if you can, can you actually produce the same with fewer hours yeah that makes sense i guess with like technology and stuff the the problem though is there is this underlying current that i've that i, I get a sense of when you read sort of the business papers and things like that where you have a certain faction of the people in power that are so tied to the old way of thinking and really resistant to any sort of hybrid working Mm. any sort of you know flexibility in that way or any sort of experiment experimentation when it comes to how your employees are able to produce for you I used to work um, at a company where the MD did not believe in working from home and I once had to put together a business case as to why I needed to work from home over Christmas because oh that's crazy. <laughs> he wanted everybody in the office. If unless they're on holiday, you had to be in the office. And I was like, physically, you want me to be in the office on Christmas Eve? I will be alone at Christmas. And he was like, OK, let me think about it. I was like, what? So there's so, so many. There are a few people who they're like a handful of people. That's insane. How long ago was that? This was before my current job. This was maybe six years ago. Oh, no. This is. Eight, nine years ago. Okay. Yeah, about eight eight or nine years ago. So, not I mean, not that long ago. Like, not long ago where it's like the thought of working from home was completely foreign. It wasn't like 50 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In the last decade. And there were other companies that where you could work from home. And this is like, this was an internet job. This was a job where all you need was the, it was like Wi-Fi and a computer yeah. and you're good to go. So it's not like. It's people, not like you can't work from exactly. home. It's the trust thing. It's the trust element. And this idea that if I don't see staff at their desks, then they're not doing their job. It's just, it's just so antiquated. And so, you know, that's one positive that the, that the pandemic is brought amongst all the, you know, horrible mm, definitely um the all the horrors is this idea that we have to we don't have to just go back to how things were. We can just start rethinking, right, the world is very different from where we are today. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting. Obviously we both work in tech, so we have maybe quite a different experience to other people in terms of working from home. So I think it's quite good that in this trial, they're including things like breweries and other types of companies 
to create a more like broad view because I suppose it's the type of thing where if you were going to have a blanket kind of initiative you couldn't be like and this only applies to yeah this knowledge workers or whatever it kind of has to be for everyone so yeah it makes sense to try it out for different types of jobs yeah there's a really good mix in there yeah like I said there's breweries there's also lots of construction Mm. firms as well uh companies of all different sizes I don't think there's any big big tech in there big tech's not taking a part in the initiative (laughs) well I suppose they've had a couple of trials not not like any of the massive companies but I know Bolt in the US start tech startup they, yeah they did it I don't I think they switched to it permanently actually I saw something a little while ago yeah and I know Twitter but, has gone to fully remote if you want to although Elon Musk yes has tweeted the other day about his desire to make sure that everyone you saw that didn't you yeah everyone has to come back he said a minimum of 40 hours a week in the office. So if you're doing extreme overtime, you can do it at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he used the quote, um, anyone who doesn't like it can pretend to work from somewhere else. That's like the exact quote of what he tweeted. He said, if you don't like it, you can pretend to work from somewhere else. I don't, I don't As in that. like, if you're working from home, you're pretending to work. Like he's like just oh, completely right. anti. Interesting. And I was reading a take on that that was basically like he were, has like four jobs and he does not spend 40 Anytime hours a week in any one office. office right? Yeah. And yet he's able to do that, but he doesn't trust people to do that. But in the same breath, they're talking about layoffs at Tesla where they're trying to get rid of like 10% of the staff. So I feel like those two announcements would have come out. There's an element of attrition that you're counting on because you don't have to pay out if you're... Ah, uh, yeah, Potentially, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that they're linked, but I'm saying that those two things that he tweeted about were quite close in succession. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really believe in coincidence in that sense. That's <laughs> definitely linked. And yeah, I guess he's hoping people will quit rather than receive a payout for being laid off. It's definitely cheaper to make people quit by being unreasonable. Mm. But it's also such a disappointment because, you you know, if... At first you could be like, oh, it's people of a certain, from a certain era that are resistant to any sort of work week change. But then you see someone who's supposed to be like young in the, the future. He's, of like he's literally flying to space. He's flying to space. Yeah, but he's he is like, like, I don't know. He's clearly like a weird control freak. Like a, he has the persona of like a Bond villain. <laughs> and the funds too. So yeah, I do like... I do, I'm, in a way, I wasn't surprised at all to see him say that because, of course, he is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's completely unreasonable and stupid. In more exciting and more thrilling Ooh. news, this week sees the return of Love Island. Ah, yes. I'm a big Love Island fan. Yeah, I'd say I'm a medium (laughs) like I watch it and I hate myself (laughs) see whereas I'm very excited about Love Island because I'm really curious about people I'm just I'm really curious about people and watching people move through the world and watching people form relationships and just watching those sort of interactions so for me it comes it's yes it's trashy television but there's so much value in a show like Love Island because of what you're able to visually observe 
when it comes to people trying to form relationships. And yes, I know it's scripted. And yes, there's a lot of it that isn't real. Like I get all of that. But there's something really, for me, really, (laughs) really fascinating to watch about people who society deem to be physical perfection, right? This technically, you are the epitome of what society considers to be attractive. And yet, you're still awkward, (laughs) still (laughs) socially inept, you still don't know how to talk to the opposite sex and or, you know, the sex that you're attracted to. I think, you know, there was a a season where you had two women decided to couple up together to see if they like there was something there with them. So it's uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Love Island is diverse because it's not. But (laughs) (laughs) there's something for me, there's something really interesting there because I think I think Love Island is a great anthropology study i'm definitely using the wrong set the wrong tense of that word but it's a anthropological? great anthropological it's a great anthropological study any anthropologi- <laughs> anth- anthropologists <laughs> who are listening to this Ooh. please tell us how to pronounce it but i think it's a really great study like you know like culturally etc but on the second the second reason why i love it so much is because it's a really great learning tool when it comes to thinking about behavior and relationships and we talked about this the other day where mm. we were talking about not gaslighting, but it was uh, where two people had an argument and it had been just a really toxic argument between two people who I think are still together today. But there was a lot of abuse in that argument. It was just wasn't a healthy way to argue. And, yeah, uh, you know, I talked about how there's a really healthy way to argue. There's a healthy, productive way to have an argument with somebody that you care about. And then there's also a horrible way that demonstrates that you are a terrible person who has a lot of work to do and you really shouldn't be in a relationship until you do that work there there's both sides of those and that was such a great visual representation and it Mm. got us into a really good conversation about I know I've been talking a lot right now but we did have a (laughs) great conversation about this about yeah it was about what is like a I guess it's interesting the word like productive argument because I feel like arguing in itself often does not feel productive at, at all at the time yeah but I think it's I guess how you behave in an argument and if you're annoyed with each other and obviously having this disagreement you can still behave with respect for the other person yeah so I think and the thing obviously you called out was like name calling and yeah. that is I guess too far in that it's nothing to do with the disagreement it's just like a pure attack on the other person and it's purely to be mean as opposed to like we disagree on this thing and we're you know a bit annoyed a bit angry whatever but you don't I guess you don't have to go there unless you're actively trying to to hurt the other person which then opens up you know it completely changes the nature of the argument itself is no longer about you know should we live here or should we live there? It's more about, (laughs) am I a human being that is Mm. bringing positive value to your life? So yeah, that's for me, that's a big highlight is the fact that it's coming back. And I always tell the parents in my life, all the, all my parent friends to like, what you should, everybody should be watching Love Island with their kids because you're not going to be able to tell it, explain what gaslighting is to somebody who unless they see it, they have to see it Mm. and they have to be like, they have to observe it happening and see how it kind of starts and how it ends. And to really get that it's, and you can tell somebody 
about breadcrumbing. You can tell somebody about love bombing. You can tell somebody about all of these different terms, but until you see it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really stick. Yeah. But no you parent. Can see the impact it has. Sorry. No, saying no parent ever listens, ever listens <laughs> to me. But well, I think it would be pretty awkward. Like I don't think I can't imagine, you know, being fourteen or whatever and watching Love Island with my mum. It would be so awkward. I, I I would I would like to think that. I think if if my parents had sat me down and said, we're going to watch this for educational purposes, <laughs> then you just wouldn't want to watch it. I wouldn't want to watch it. But that's look, that's all I'm saying. I'm just putting it out there. If you're <laughs> maybe, maybe like watch it separately to your kids and then sort of bring it up casually. Be like, oh, did you see that bit on Love Island? Yeah. What, you and know, then, what would you have done? What do you think went yeah. wrong there? What would you have done? How, sh- how could they have handled it? And yeah, there have been some really jarring cases that have gone public. There was like of like treatment relationship treatment and all Mm. that i know in schools they're trying to teach as well they're trying to teach about relationship dynamics and how to know when you're being taken advantage of etc to try to stop like teenage girls sending nudes or being guilted into doing things they don't want to do etc so i know that that's like a big push all i'm saying is they'd probably pay a lot more attention if you did it through love island that's all i'm saying yeah using relevant (laughs) examples i think that would that obviously would make sense speaking of love yes (laughs) should we go on to our topic of the week our topic of the week is love really blind well i think love island would say no (laughs) love is purely visual but i have heard that this year there's going to be an element of the audience will get to choose who the initial couples are whereas historically you know They'll have like either the boys choose or the girls choose, but now the viewers will be choosing the first coupling. So you might end up with anybody, but you'll still get to see everybody. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting change because I feel like ultimately, I I, I know it's that kind of show where you have to have viewer involvement or whatever, but like that doesn't make sense to me at all because it's, it's not about people getting on or even finding each other attractive it's just like random it's pure entertainment which I suppose is what this show is but yeah for me that's like that kind of doesn't make sense if you're doing an well a dating show (laughs) you know this fits in really well with our topic of the week because our topic of the week is all about like the value of I guess personality chemistry compatibility over looks Mm. and sometimes yeah, you sometimes you do have to sacrifice one of those elements in order to have the type of life that you to lead the type of life that you want. If you're somebody who believes that you're only going to be happy in a relationship, you'll probably have to find yourself sacrificing on one of those elements in order to make that happen. But the reason why I actually like this audience participation thing is because when you're in that situation and you're somebody who is normally used to being attracted to, you know, because there's, like, there's a lot of dynamics that happen. And obviously the topic of the week goes further than Love Island, but I'm using Love Island as an example. Usually in the early stages when there's a lot of, when there's the selections, you'll find that the guys tend to gravitate towards the same girl. It's a very specific look, right? Mm. It's like the blondes with bodies that probably haven't seen a cheeseburger as often as I have. (laughs) And and it's just a very specific kind of Instagram model look. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so you have a whole selection of beautiful women, but a very specific type of woman gets overlooked frequently, like the token black girl 
never gets picked. She's always, she always gets whoever's left on the bench. And with those sort of dynamics, you end up with people who didn't notice each other in the first week, then connect later, later down the line as they get to know each other and the chemistry and et cetera, and all that stuff grows. So I actually like this idea of us picking because we are going to be making decisions that are going to shake up this usual thing where like people get overlooked and I guess the yeah, audience might see things that others that the people in the situation don't see perhaps well, yeah maybe it's sort of like you you'd always go for a same type of person then you end up getting put with someone who you wouldn't usually go for but doesn't mean you might you might get along who knows yeah so yeah we'll see well I guess we'll see what we'll happens. see we'll see what happens well this the topic of the week came because we are also fans of the tv show Love is blind. Love is blind. Yes, <laughs> aptly named. <laughs> we like dating shows. We do. We do. We enjoy. We enjoy watching people connect with each other. But the reason I just like the drama, really. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for me, it's an it's a study of a science that I can't even pronounce. Yeah. Okay. Intellectualize <laughs> it. <laughs> it's an anthropological study. We oh, could stop this there. and look it up. Anthropological. No, oh, yeah, look yeah. at that. It's coming out now. Well anthropological. <laughs> I'm just going to start saying it now. I'm not going to say it anymore. But yeah, for me, for, for me, it's really that. What do you, do you think that love can be blind? Not completely. I think love can be like nearsighted (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think so on the love is blind show obviously we won't go into all the details but for some people it did end up working out and they stayed together by the point of the reunion well let's let's explain the premise of the show for anyone who hasn't seen it okay yes sure so love is blind is basically I, I can't remember how long they have like two weeks or something to get to know each other I think it might be four weeks maybe four weeks but you can leave the pods earlier but yeah so essentially they have four weeks to get to know each other without seeing each other so essentially they are in kind of like a I guess a room with a big wall in between but they can kind of talk and they can pass each other items and stuff like that and at the end of the four weeks or or before that I guess they can decide to get engaged and you know still have never seen each other and then once they've decided to do that there's like a big reveal and they see each other in person and then they spend another couple of weeks together and then I think after that they decide if they're going to go through with the wedding so Obviously, the concept is is they get to know each other purely based on personality, nothing to do with looks. And then they, you know, they see if it works out. I think they do cheat a bit because I'm pretty sure they do, like, talk a bit about how they look. Like, I remember specifically one of the couples was Asian and the guy essentially said, I don't usually date Asian girls. And the girl was like, I'm Asian. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's not, they're not, they're not completely blind. They do, obviously, I think they do talk about, you know, maybe like height, hair colour, race, stuff like that. So, you know, uh, but it's more about you haven't actually seen the mm-hmm. person's like specific features. But 
it was interesting with the Asian guy because they ended up coupling up and spoiler alert, it did not work out <laughs> with him, you know, before he even, when he first started chatting he was, he to was, all the girls being like, terrible. I don't like Asian girls. He was terrible. He was awful. But like, it, but so that is a very clear example of like, you know, maybe they got along. Kind of. I don't think they got along that well even. But yeah, it was not blind in no. that case. I think he was asking questions initially like, if I, would I be able to lift you? To like <laughs> yeah, on that. his dates. It was yeah. so stupid. Yes, they're like waiting. Yeah, stuff. he was trying to figure so out bad. like what they were physically and like, it's like the whole point of like, this thing is to be <laughs> supposed to be blind what are you doing he's like oh but i have a type if you have a type why are you on love is blind you yeah. know oh it was just very frustrating to watch and she was always too good for him it was upsetting when she allowed him to propose to her but it's fine yeah it's over now i'm not bitter <laughs> i'm over it right so my bad it's actually two weeks so they basically put boys in one room girls in another men and women in separate spaces and there's pods in the middle they have their dates they date for two weeks 15 minute date slots at a time can't see each other just hear each other and then decide if they want to get married based on those conversations yeah which isn't a whole lot like two weeks of talking for you know maybe it's a couple of 15 minute slots a day I don't know exactly how much of it you do but like you're not you get to know someone a bit, but you don't get to know someone well enough to make a marriage decision. No. And at that point, it almost doesn't matter what they look like, I guess. Like, I feel like you could get to know someone over that quite small time period. And then, like, it could kind of go either way. And then their looks could make them more attractive or less attractive. But, like, you're not invested enough at that point to be like, oh, they're not my type at all, but you know love is blind <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> like I yeah I feel like it's a bit of an odd situation but how long do you think you'd have to go for to completely disregard any of your physical like oh see that's a good that's a great question because I was gonna say it's so easy to fall for somebody at least on a surface level that you've never seen before just through the advent of online dating, et cetera, and people mm. will send emails. You, we, like we are, each of us, we're capable of creating the ideal person in our heads and then like... Yeah, putting, from the limited information yeah. given to us, yeah, we, we dream up this person. Exactly. like, actually, we haven't even met yet. <laughs> exactly, you know, and we know this really well. We'll have like, you know, you go on one date with Steve and all of a sudden, fantasy Steve starts... <laughs> appearing and you start making decisions based on what a life with fantasy Steve could be like but actually real life Steve (laughs) probably not not even into it (laughs) it's probably not even into it and if you actually got to know him you probably wouldn't be into it either like yeah exactly right so because we're capable of creating these fantasies for ourselves it then it's so easy to have that initial thing that feels like a connection when you don't have the distraction of the things that don't align with what you're looking for that you're faced with right it's easy to have like the most perfect conversation with somebody you have everything in common and everything seems to be aligned and they want the same things that you want and all of that and then as soon as you (laughs) as soon as the reality of what they actually are comes up I I almost think that it's not so much that this person isn't your type 
that's the problem. It's more the disparity between your fantasy and the reality of the person. So there are people who I've spoken to lots and connected with and you meet in real life and it's like, ugh, you know, it's not quite for me. Mm. But if I had seen them or if I work with them, potentially over time, something could have grown. And if I'd seen them down the street or they'd come up to me in a bar, I probably wouldn't have had that, you know, found them that unattractive because it's, it's less... context, Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's less about what they actually look like and more about this difference between what I imagined they would be like versus what they actually turned out to be like. And that's one of the things that makes online dating so difficult is we're essentially doing that. We're essentially filling in the gaps for ourselves. If, and if we're not careful, we can create this whole persona from somebody we've traded a few messages with. And then you meet mm-hmm. up and then you're contending with like, this person isn't what I thought they would be. But if you didn't have a thought there in the first place about what they would be, you probably would have a better chance of making that connection. Yeah, definitely. I guess this maybe gives people a chance to get to know each other without those initial preconceived notions or like almost initial automatic rejection. You'd be like, oh, no, not really my type. So, yeah, this is a like slightly different context and maybe lets things develop from that. But I still like... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know I still I still think the concept of it I'm not sure I yeah entirely agree with like it I, I do think physical attraction matters mm-hmm. so I guess I don't think love can be entirely blind but yes I agree that you know giving that time at the beginning maybe to get to know each other without that bias could be beneficial the other thing that is not entirely realistic in this show is like obviously they've tried to recruit generally conventionally attractive people right so the likelihood that they'll find each other attractive is pretty high like Mm -hmm. maybe it's not your exact type but they're all you know they're all relatively good looking I guess and I think this might not work so successfully not that it was particularly successful I think a couple of people stayed together yeah but, you know, in reality is someone could be so far from your usual type that you would like it would just feel like a waste of your time. Basically, I'm thinking of, you know, for example, if they were to create a love is blind dating app where you just talk and you never see the person. <laughs> Absolutely and you turn not. Up on the date. <laughs> like, I just, I just think that would never work. Well, so that's what the free version of eHarmony is. Really? You can't see the photos. You can just chat and connect. When they, do, when they do their special <laughs> offers, they do special offers to like Valentine's Day and stuff. As a single person, I get a lot of ads. <laughs> so I'm up to date on what everyone's doing. But their free trial offer, usually it does not involve, you can't see photos. So it's like if you really are desperate to make a connection with somebody else and you don't care, there's, there's ways to do that. Like it's, it's also interesting, the thing about bypassing your normal type because... I'm actually a big fan of blind dating. You mean dating blind people? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. basically, yes, yes. I, I don't discriminate. I will date Good most save. people. <laughs> I'll, date, I'll date most people. But I'm a big fan of that because that that is one of the ways to get around the sort of navigating that gap between the fantasy person in your head 
that you think they're going to be and who they actually are. Just present you with a brand new person with no preconceptions. It's like being approached in a bar, for instance. You have no preconceptions about who this person is. You just have to take them at face value. And I think there's a you, you're able to give people more of a chance if you have the time or the luxury, luxury to be able to do that. That's interesting because I would say you do have a preconceived idea of them because you've been set up. So I think you, and maybe it's a good thing, you probably have a, a slightly positive idea of them because, you know, your friend has decided to set you up with this person. So there, there must be some sort of reason, like you, maybe maybe it's not even romantic, but maybe you'll have stuff in common or, you know, at least you'll have a nice evening. So I think you do you do enter that situation with maybe a, a slightly different idea of things than someone from a dating app for example but I think yeah you still uh I would almost say you 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 might approach that I might approach that situation if I was in it more positively than Mm. a random from a dating app that's a good point you're probably less on your guard if somebody that you know and trust set you up you're probably Mm. not going to be stranger danger yeah exactly yeah there's that whole side of things that you are not so worried about I would imagine. I mean, I know people who have made a a decision to settle down and then have found somebody and just settled down. Not to say that they're settling, but it's more if you it's I feel like it's less to do with your. With whether you're necessarily attracted to that person and more to do with whether you have made a decision about what outcome you want Mm. so if you're like determined I want to settle down you will be able to make things work you'll be able to you know forgive certain elements maybe you like somebody who's normally I don't know quite short or you like somebody who is a certain type of I don't know background or whatever or educational system whatever anything like that you probably would be more willing to sacrifice some of the more superficial things because the thing that you're looking for is something more meaningful. So in that yeah, scenario, I, I think love can be blind. So yeah, that's basically what I think I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> think I think I think I think that. We're working this we're working it out. This is we're working it out as we go along, trying to mm. figure out how we feel. I think love can be blind if you are in the mindset to really find love. Yeah, I think, again, I would say not necessarily blind, but, you know, some sort of vision impairment. <laughs> like what shades. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know. No, no, just, Love. you know, corrective glasses. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, you know, you, you, I totally agree that if you are looking for love and, you know, you find something you're on the same page with and, like, you don't necessarily, they don't necessarily fit 100% of your criteria, but you'll be blind to those ones, the criteria that, I, I don't know, I don't think you'll be blind, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be aware of them, but you mm. just won't care, right? So I, I do think that is true to an extent, but I think there are also some criteria that you will never be blind to, and we all will decide that for ourselves, so I would say that, hence the the vision impairment, because I, I, I don't think you'd 
you know, necessarily connect with someone who had very different values to you or, or, I don't know, things that you would have considered deal breakers and actually you end up with them and it all works out. Like, I don't, I don't really think that makes sense. But yes, I think some characteristics you'd probably be like, actually, that doesn't matter to me so much anymore. Yeah. I guess in the context of how things evolve and the, the amount of things you know about this person in the early stages, all you know is what they look like yes. and yeah. <laughs> very little about them. And then in the later stages, it's, you know, you know so much more about them. So what they look like doesn't, Really yeah, it doesn't matter as much, as much, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't for us. Maybe it does for men. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I oh, wonder yeah. how much of an impact that has. Well, I'm trying to think from the show, other than that Asian guy who didn't want to date Asian girls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of the others decided that they weren't physically attracted to the person after the reveal. It didn't work out because of other reasons but it wasn't it was like none of them were physical no even the ones who you thought who had expressed that what their normal type was and then end up falling for women who were or people women or men who were not nowhere near the normal type and this happened for the women this happened for the men as well Mm. you you were watching it thinking oh as soon as they see each other it's going to be game over and no that they like that wasn't the reason why any of the couples at least not in the (laughs) <laughs> not in the um the latin edition or the uk the us edition <laughs> or the japan edition i didn't watch all the editions one of japan i think uh. i watched the us one <laughs> and yeah does it come as a surprise to you that i've seen them all absolutely not no it doesn't at this stage i think you would expect this is exactly what you'd expect from me. Yes. So um, across the cultures, <laughs> I can have a global cultural debate about whether love is blind though, or not, right? Because actually I would have wondered if in other cultures, did, did you notice a different pattern at all in the in the Latin American or Japanese ones? <laughs> the, well, the Latin American one was really interesting because the I love yous came thick and fast. Oh, really? In, almost immediately, like second, third dates. And, you oh. know... <laughs> Yeah, Latin people. This was filmed in Brazil. It was filmed in Brazil. And there is this age-old, you know, thinking about how Latin people are very passionate, very fiery, quick with their feelings and, you know, very expressive. Mm -hmm. And you see that so much in the Brazil edition where in a situation like that, where it's like, it's all words, at least in the beginning and no action. It's really easy to kind of say all the right things and be super passionate and all of that. Whereas the US one is a bit more reserved and you can see people kind of dealing with their trauma and then eventually breaking through to get to a point where they can admit that they might like somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Is that... And then in the Japan one is really, really interesting because I don't know why I was expecting it to be different. Just because I know that, like, for instance, the Japanese government years ago had to find, was trying to find ways to incentivize young people to date because the the rate of birth, the birth rate was so low. Oh, interesting. I didn't know Yeah. That. And the young people just weren't interested in dating. So they were like subsidizing first dates and trying to do all this other stuff to try to encourage the population to date more. Right. And so I was coming from that um, from that kind of angle of like, I wonder how this would work in a in a cult, in a culture where people just don't want to date. But they all they were just normal, 
like I say normal. They were just like the folks in the West. They just wanted to date, wanted to connect mm-hmm. with people. I guess to apply for that show, you have to be a yeah. certain type of person anyway, regardless it's of your culture. It's not necessarily representative, I would say. Yeah. I don't know if any of them are representative. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, in, in the the Brazil one, it got, things get really very passionate very quickly. Oh my. The US is sort of halfway. And then, yeah, Japan is, is really interesting to watch. And final question. Yeah. Should love be blind? No. In the sense that, I, I guess I should have asked you to clarify <laughs> the question first. But uh, do if you mean in the sense that it sh- you shouldn't care about looks and you should just care about personality, I don't really think that's true because I think, I do think looks... And like physical stuff is a big part of attraction. I just don't think it would be the same if you took that away. Like I think it brings so much. So, see, I I would slightly disagree there. And I'm thinking more along the lines of later down the line, as in when you get older. Yeah. So because are what we look like now will change what you look like now will change and in 10 20 30 years what you and your lad look like are it's gonna be very different yeah and so there has to come there has to there has to be a point where the physical attraction kind of is linked more linked to the personality than it is to the actual physical because what Mm. if you develop a disorder and you your body shape changes or (laughs) <laughs> disorder like pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> if you develop a you know a disorder like a pregnancy and then your body changes what does that mean for your relationship if you know your physical outside is so tied into whether or not your partner loves you and same with guys too you know yeah like if you gain weight or something yeah or you gain abs or <laughs> true you know or god forbid worse right there's something there's a, a drastic physical change in the yeah. person that you're attracted to now would that act attraction supersede the physical? So I think, I guess I meant maybe more in the early stages. Yeah, it, that was unfair of me because I didn't, I didn't clarify the question. But and I think to develop an attraction to someone, there's lots of factors. So one of which is obviously physical. And then, you know, I would say the majority is like personality and stuff like that. But yeah, I totally agree when you get older and as you have a relationship and you're building it that matters less and less but I think at the beginning it does matter to like I guess bring you together but yeah I think over time it you know you get old whatever pregnant <laughs> and then <laughs> yes it, it's about it's about <laughs> catch a pregnancy it's about the person and not any specific aspect of them it's more of them as a whole I would say so but I but saying that I guess like for example if my boyfriend gained like a huge amount of weight obviously I still am very attracted to him like as a person but I think I probably wouldn't be as physically attracted to him if that happened Mm. So, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's no. just how 
Well, I don't think there's a right or wrong or good or bad response to that to that uh, personally i was thinking more along the lines of if you think about people who settle down with people who are not their the type that they said that Mm. you know their type was or you'll have somebody who'll date the same person (laughs) the same type of person over and over again and then they'll date somebody completely different physically and mentally etc and that'll be the thing that works but that that person isn't their type so in those scenarios, I guess I guess there's still some sort of physical attraction there yeah. to begin with, although it probably isn't the thing that they're normally attracted to, I would imagine. Yeah, I think there's a difference between different but still attractive and unattractive, right? Like I think yeah. there's, a, there's definitely a spectrum. So I think somewhere along that spectrum, it probably just doesn't really make sense, but not to say that you shouldn't explore. <laughs> and what is that physical thing that you're normally drawn to? Ooh. I'd say not exclusively height, mm, no, but height not. is quite important. Height helps. But I'm I'm also pretty tall for a girl, so it does, you know, it's relevant for me. But yeah, and then I don't know. Yeah. Trying to think of other things. <laughs> I, there are others, but I don't want to get too specific. <laughs> I like to observe. I like to observe. This well, this sounds creepy in my head. <laughs> it's going to sound even creepy out loud. I do like to observe men and how they walk, like how they just move through yes. the world. I think there's a lot to be said about that. I used to be quite heightist, but I'm like five foot nothing, so I <laughs> realized I need to let that go. So as long as you're taller than me, <laughs> I think it's fine. But it's more about like how you carry yourself through the world. Yeah, like how you move into spaces. Definitely. I think, which you obviously you can't see on a dating no. app. I also think as an extension of that, like how you interact with other people yeah, can be very attractive or very unattractive. Like, are you kind to people in restaurants or stuff like that? Obviously, that's not physical, but I think that is uh, uh, something I'd consider. I've just thought of another one, mm-hmm. which... I don't know if people think this is weird or not, but hands. Hands, oh my God. So important. So important. You could be like super hot and have creepy hands oh. and it would just be like, nope. If your hands are creepy, there's just no way. I've I've seen, I just, I can't over, it's I can't like overlook it. fingernails. No, <laughs> long, dirty fingernails. <laughs> so he- like just, oh. Just like. No. Yeah. No. You, you don't want creepy hands. That's not weird at all. And I will fight. I will fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I've seen people who are like moderate, moderate, moderately attractive with beautiful hands. And it's just, oh. yeah, I think it makes such a difference. I remember going on our first date with my now boyfriend and like looking at his hands and being like, ooh. Yeah, he does have <laughs> lovely hands. He does. So have we told him that? I have told him that. He's like, stop being so weird. No, he does. He but. does. If you're listening, you got nice hands. And I know. But it's so important. Like, if he had had creepy hands, I don't know where we'd be today. I just, it just, it's just, there's nobody, no one wants Ooh. that. And it's, a, and it's a shame because you can't do anything about your hands. No. Well, you, you can, can moisturize. Like you can groom them better. Yeah, you can moisturize. Yeah. You can make sure your fingernails are always like clean and trimmed and, you know, hairy knuckles is fine. It's not about yeah, that. Yeah, it's just about fine. the proportions of the hands <laughs> which is completely out of your control <laughs> so it's almost sorry it's almost as bad as height although now there's surgery you can get 
what, to be she, taller. No way. Yeah, there's like you can add a few inches. I think oh, it's mad. like knee surgery or something. Oh, but I mean, you can't. I don't know. There was a South Park episode where they did the surgery, and then the guy who got the surgery tried to play basketball, and on his first jump, the knees popped. And oh he, God. <laughs> he fell over. So. Oh dear. Anyway, I think that's it. Yeah, let us know what you think. If we're wildly off base, if you fell in love with somebody, sight unseen, and you are a big fan of it, then let us know. Maybe we're missing out. Yeah, we could be wrong. (laughs) I'm also open to being set up. I don't know if I made that (laughs) clear, but if you're... (laughs) Send your bio into the show notes. Yeah, yeah, not too long. I don't want to create, you know, a, a fantasy of who they are but a brief bio yeah i mean everyone listening has my number already like knows how to get in touch with me (laughs) (laughs) yes but they need to use official channels to communicate with the podcast yes (laughs) a link link in the show notes email address in the show notes avocadoproust at gmail.com get in touch we'd love to hear from you share this episode with your friends and your foes yep future people that you might want to date yeah somebody you want to turn down because they're not physically what you're looking for perhaps send this send them this episode and or someone you want to date and you're trying to convince them and you know maybe this is a good conversation starter yeah i mean if it's somebody that you want to date that's not usually your normal physical type or they have creepy hands and you're willing to overlook that i cannot think of a better icebreaker than sending them this episode yeah do it we're always here for you (laughs) (laughs) all right see you next week see you next week bye bye